series looking at the life of Joseph. Uh, the title of the series is Dream to Destiny. And Joseph is a bit of an iconic figure, isn't he? There's so much which we're going to learn from him over the coming weeks. Last week, we looked about being a dreamer. Joseph was a dreamer. The brothers said to him, here comes that dreamer. And, and the challenge last week was to really run with the dreams that God has given us. I would love it that both individually and corporately, people would say of Hope Church, oh, here come the dreamers. Here come those who believe all things are possible. Here come those who, who think outside the box and, and believe that God is at work. We're going to go back to something today and touch on something that was just mentioned last week, uh, but is really important. So let's just turn in the scriptures to Genesis 37, and we're just going to read verses 3 to 4. So we touched on this last week, uh, but I want to hone into it uh, as we begin the message today. Now Israel, that's Jacob, that's Joseph's dad. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him, or a coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph's coat of many colors. I wonder what you think about when you hear that. You know, paintings, there's famous paintings that have been done of, of Joseph's coat of many colors. There's mosaics, there's famous artists who have captured this story. Let me ask you a quick question. Who's seen at some point in their life, okay, Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat? Put, put your hand up if you have. I've seen it a lot of times, just to be completely frank. But some of you may have, some of you may not understand what, what I'm talking about. But there is a musical that was on Broadway, it was in the West End, uh, called Joseph and His Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Uh, it had people such as Jason Donovan playing the, uh, the main part, Philip Schofield. And I mean, it's got a whole plethora of amazing songs. I feel like in the spirit of Marie, I need to start singing. I feel like I need to start kind of going, go, 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 Joes, if you know what this, but there's no more, no more, no more. Close every door. You know, we could go through the whole lot. But anyway, 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 it's a great musical and it's true to scripture. It's a great musical, true to scripture. But here's the thing with it. Uh, the reality is when we hear of Joseph and his coat, we, we don't fully understand the, the, the depth of what's going on here. So Joseph's coat was a coat of favor. Charles has done a brilliant job on, on, on the artwork for this. And, and you see the, the picture on the side there of Joseph. It gives you a really good idea of what this coat was like. It was an ornate robe. It had long sleeves. It had a big, huge train that went down to the floor and kind of kind of filled even behind Joseph. It went down to his ankles. It covered his, his, his arms up to his wrists. 
It was this heavy, ornate, beautiful piece of clothing. But think about it for a minute. That's not a helpful thing to have in an agricultural setting. When you're meant to be working the fields, when you're meant to be getting down and and, and dirty, when you're meant to be looking after the sheep, which can be dirty work, that's not the clothing that you really want or need. The robe was a sign of favor, a sign of blessing, a sign of God's favor in Joseph's life. Now, let's let's stop for a moment. When I say the word favor, many of us will find it hard to get our head around. What's, what's favor? How do I define favor? It's like it's difficult to define love. You know, I love chocolate. I, I love my child. You know, there's an eros, romantic love. There's a sacrificial agape love. There's a brotherly friendship love. You know, trying to define love is, is difficult. It's kind of like love is almost too big to be defined. Now, in the Old Testament, there are over 60 references to God's favor. And it's difficult, like love, to define what God's favor actually means. So the best way, I think, is really to kind of paint a picture of what God's favor looks like or what God's favor actually is. God's favor is his kindness. It's his pleasure. It's his success. It's his blessing. And it's so much more on the canvas. Scripture says, Genesis 37, verse 3, that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his brothers. Here's the the, the problem that we've got to deal with here in this passage. The problem is favor is replaced by favoritism. And it's important that we see this difference. Because many of us in our lives cannot embrace the favor that God has given to us or the favor that God has given to others because we see favoritism. We have the glasses of lenses of favoritism and it distorts and it disfigures what God is doing. And if you've got the, the laser, the, the lenses, the, the glasses of favoritism, you cannot then celebrate what God is doing in someone else's life. You cannot fully celebrate what is going on in your friend's life if you have the lenses of favoritism. If someone in your workplace gets promoted, you cannot celebrate God's favor on their life because all you have is the lenses of favoritism. So we need to work out the difference between favor and favoritism. And here's what's important that you need to understand this morning. God offers favor on all who seek him. In the Greek, favor is grace. 
It's God's grace. It's his favor that is upon each and every one of us who seek him. Now, let me show you something else in this passage. Let me show you something else. Joseph's brothers, all the other 11 brothers, they were all sons of Jacob, and each one of them had favor. Each one of them. But they were polluted and thwarted by Jacob's favoritism. You say, Mark, how do you know that? How do you know that all the other brothers had favor? Wasn't it just Joseph who had the coat? No. If you go back in Scripture, Genesis 12, Abraham, the great-grandfather of those 12 brothers, he was promised that all of his family would be highly favored. Abraham was promised that his family would be the one from which Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, was born. That that family would carry all of God's promises. Israel was organized around the 12 tribes from the 12 brothers. You see, the thing is, all of the brothers, they knew this. It was the dominant story in their family growing up. Isaac, their grandfather, would have told them, boys, you are highly favored. Boys, grandsons, each one of you, from you will come the Messiah. But they couldn't see it. That the brothers couldn't see the favor that God had put on them because they were blinded by favoritism. Can you see that difference? And I want each one of you to realize this morning that whatever is going on, whatever you are battling with comparison or, or whatever you see in other people's lives, I want each of you to know that God's favor is on you. It's on you, it's on you, it's on you. It's on each one of you. And we need to learn to be better to celebrate the favor of God on one another. It's not about envy, it's not about comparison. That's the problem of the culture that we live in, and particularly the culture of social media, where it's all about comparison. It's all about posting your best photos. It's all about posting your best day and the rest of your life and the lies and the fabrications and all the troubles and difficulties never see the light of day. Everyone else sees those beautiful pictures, those beautiful holidays, those beautiful things that are going on in their life and feel bad about themselves. No, no, no. We need to be in a place where we celebrate the favor of God on all who seek him. And one thing to go along with this is this, we then mustn't try to grab someone else's favor because it doesn't fit. You see, Joseph's coat was for Joseph. It wouldn't fit the brothers. You see, Saul's armor was for Saul. It didn't fit David. Your story, your life has the favor of God upon it. Stop looking to others. Stop looking to others and wishing you had their life because God has favor for you and for your life. Let me challenge you at the beginning again of this year. I think I still say that on the 20, whatever it is, of January. But, you know, we need to be better at the beginning of this year of celebrating 
the blessings in our lives, of writing down in a notepad, on a piece of paper, on our phone, whatever it is, writing down the blessings of God in our life. To celebrate each and every day, I'm going to write down five things that I can celebrate in my life, God's favor in my life. I may have mountains of things to pray for, but I'm going to start with five things that I can celebrate God's blessings, God's favor in my life. A healthy family, a place where I am warm, a job. Don't go into all the things that you might want or that you are lacking or that you are struggling with. Start with your favor. Start with God's blessings on your life. Each one of you, just remind yourself, you are highly favored. And one more thing about favor. Favor builds bridges for God's plan for your life. Let let me put it like this. To, To get to the life that God has called you to, to get to fulfilling the dreams, the passions, the calling on your life, you need God's help. I need God's help. So if I am here and this is my life right now, and I want to get over here, and I want to be in a place where I am completely fulfilling the calling of my life, how will I bridge those two? What is the bridge that will take me from here to here? The bridge that will take me from here to here is the favor of God. It's the favor of God that builds bridges. It's the favor of God that allows us to walk into the plans and purposes for our lives. Let me, let me, before we move on and read a bit more scripture, let me, let me give you one more thing that I learned this week. I didn't know this. The colored coat, the colored coat, the one that Joseph wore, was very uncommon in Israel. No one wore it in Israel. For many reasons, particularly, like I said, it's impractical, uh, agricultural kind of uh, shepherds, that just you never wear that. Completely impractical. It wasn't common in Israel, but do you know where, back then, do you know where that kind of coat was common? It was common in Egypt. In Egypt. Just just think about this. I'd never seen this before. Just, Just think about this for a minute. When Joseph was given his coat, it was almost like God was equipping Joseph supernaturally, without knowing, for an assignment that was to come in Egypt. Can you see that? I'd never seen this before. I didn't know that, that that Egypt, this kind of coat, was common. It was something of those who had wealth and those who had uh, status. So God's favor on our life will build a bridge for what is to come. The coat of many colors on Joseph was a prophetic foreshadowing of him being the prime minister of Egypt. The assignment that God had for him. He didn't see it. He didn't get it. He didn't understand it. But that was what was going on. God's favor is what prepares us and paves the way for the assignments and the plans that God has for us. God's favor is on all who seek him. 
And God's favor builds bridges and it prepares us for the life that God has for us. Okay, let's read on. That was kind of like a a going back and highlighting something from last week, something incredibly important in the story of Joseph. But let's go back to where we left off last week. We're going to read from verse 18. Genesis 37, we're going to read from verse 18. But they, that's Joseph's brothers, saw Joseph in the distance. He'd been sent uh, to go and find his brothers by his dad. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns. And let's say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Verse 21, brilliant. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and to take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and they threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So the brothers' hatred grew toxic. And they beat Joseph up and they threw him into a cistern and they sold him to the Midianites for 20 shekels of silver. Now, when we hear Joseph was thrown into a pit or into a cistern, we might think, oh, just a little kind of sand pit, just a little hole in the ground, a little sand pit like the kids might might dig on the beach. But it was far more than that. In 2005, some children were playing in a playground in, or outside of Jerusalem, and a sinkhole fell. And they called in the archaeologists, and I'll show you a picture. comes up on the next slide. And uh, this picture is what kind of a cistern you would have had in the story. That's the kind of deal of the cistern that you would have in the ground to collect the rainwater. But we know that this cistern is dry and this cistern has nothing in it. And they threw their 17-year-old brother down this hole. But I want you to think in a minute because this was a deep hole. It was dry and it was a deep 
hole. So a 17-year-old youth chucked down a hole like that, what would have happened? They would have been battered. They would have been bruised. They would have had cuts banging off the side. I wonder how many bones of Joseph's body were broken. The point is, Joseph would have been badly hurt and in pain when he was thrown down the cistern. This wasn't just, oh, jump into the hole, kind of that only comes up to here and wait for the people so we can sell you in slavery. This was brutal. This was harsh. This was painful. I'm almost surprised that Joseph survived being thrown down the cistern. We, we know that it was bad because if you read a bit further on in Genesis 42 and verse 21, the brothers reflect on what they did. They talk about, oh, we feel guilty that he was wounded, that he was in distress and begging for help. So I want you to picture this for a moment because otherwise you think, oh, yeah, Joseph chucked down a pit. Oh, yeah, then some people came along, paid some money, and he got jumped out. Off he went to Egypt. No, no, he was down this well, this cistern, whimpering, crying, battered, bruised, maybe a bone or two of his body broken, calling out for help with, with, with kind of like a dry mouth. What were his brothers doing? His brothers were above ground, ignoring him having their lunch. They were probably eating Joseph's lunch and just ignoring him and just blocking out the sound. I want you to picture that because I then want to ask you a question. How many of you feel like you are in some kind of a pit today and you're calling out for help, but it seems like no one is listening? You see, pits are a hard reality of life. And there's two types of pits. Firstly, there's a pit of regret. The pit of regret is the pit of your own making. It's the pit that you have contributed to as a result of your sin. You see, when you are in a pit in life, it is good to ask the question, is this as a result of any specific sin in my life? That's not a bad thing to ask because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us do wrong things and all of us have blind spots in our lives. We were warned about those friends and spending time with them and what it might lead to. Now you're in a pit, you can pinpoint the blind spot and how you got there. Those financial issues and struggles that you are in you know that you were warned by the bank. You know that you were warned by friends. You know, and yet there is where you find yourself. Relational issues, brokenness, and, and problematic issues with relationships. You, you can trace what happened and where you got to. Guilt and regret are part of life, part of experiencing the pit of regret for things that we have done in our life. So there's the pit of regret, and then there's the pit of suffering. That is not of our own making. 
And I'll be honest, Joseph is a bit of a mixture of two. There's a little bit where he was foolish. He was a 17-year-old, blast off the mouth, foolish teenager who fueled the favoritism of his father and look where it got him. But really, that's really harsh if you're saying that it's Joseph's fault that he got to a pit. Whatever he did didn't justify being thrown into a pit, being beaten and bruised and sold into slavery. He was in a pit of suffering, and that suffering was at the hands of others. I want you to understand, Hope Church, I want you to know, I want to remind you that suffering is a part of life. It's a part of life. It's a truth and a reality in the broken world that we live in that suffering is part of life. Even Jesus, Jesus who was perfect, Jesus who was sinless, Jesus who who has nothing to do with any regrets. There was no regrets that Jesus had because he was sinless and did nothing wrong. But still, Jesus suffered. Suffering is not a measure of a lack of faith. Let me say that again. Suffering is not the measure of a lack of faith. We live in a broken world. Others will often sin against us. Suffering is a reality of life. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not too many bumper stickers or, you know, for that one. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, here's the thing, and I want to tie in to close. The dreams that God gives us, what we looked at last week. Here comes the dreamer, Joseph the dreamer. I want to tie that in to the pits that we experience the suffering in this world, because all God-given dreams will be met with resistance. They will. It's, it's guaranteed. There will be resistance. Faith, listen carefully, faith is how we handle the resistance. Faith is how we walk through the trials and the difficulties. So I want to flip something in your head. I want to help you. I want to do a kind of a, a flip, a mind flip. You see, when God gives you a dream, that does not mean that everything is going to be plain sailing. When God gives you a dream, listen carefully, the pit is part of the purpose. When God gives you a dream, the pit is part of the purpose. Because in the pit, God does things in you. He does things in you to prepare you for what is to come. He allows the resistance and the struggle to make you stronger. You need the pit because without it, you won't be ready for the fulfillment of the dream. One other thing that tweaked my mind this week was, how many pieces of silver was Joseph sold for? It's not a trick question. How many? 20. He was sold for 20 pieces 
of silver. Now, so much of the life of Joseph points to Jesus. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver and so was Jesus? But how many pieces of silver was Jesus sold for? Thank you. He was sold for 30. Just checking your past is not dodgy and going kind of off-piste. No, no, no. Joseph, 20. Jesus, 30 pieces of silver. Yeah, 30. Okay, 30 pieces of silver. Judas, Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver. So I was, I was, it annoyed me a little bit because that'd have been a great link. Oh, that'd have been a great link. Anyway, um, but Jesus was paid the going rate for a slave at that time. So Jesus paid 30 pieces of silver, which is what you would pay in those Roman times for a slave. So Jesus became a slave so you and I could go free. That's the gospel, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Jesus became a slave, 30 pieces of silver, so you and I go free. But back to Joseph, 20 pieces of silver. And this is where I was just trying to work this out. This is, I don't know. It's like, well, was that because he was so beaten and disfigured? Was it because it was like discount? Joseph was a discounted kind of secondhand slave, you know, beaten and kind of bruised and damaged goods. Damaged goods, 20 pieces of silver. You know, Jesus, perfect, spotless slave, 30 pieces of silver. Anyway, just my, my musings as, as a preacher and trying to work it all out. But here, here's, here's where I want to I land this morning. Joseph, when he had his coat on, but then it was ripped from him, and it was, he was put down that well, down that system. He must have asked the question, where's my favor gone? Where's my favor gone, God? Where's my favor? When, when his brothers ganged up on him, they ripped him. They chucked him down that system. When he, he went from being broken and beaten and sold to be a slave, he must have asked the question, where is my favor? Where has my favor gone? But here's what I want you to hear very loud and clear. God's favor follows you in and out of the pit. You've got to hear this. God's favor in your life, it did with the life of Joseph and it does with you, God's Favor will follow you into the pit of your regret and your suffering, and then out of the pit into all that God has for you. God's favor was with Joseph when he went into the pit, and it was with him as we will see in the coming weeks as he came out of the pit and went to Egypt. You see, favor never was the robe, favor was God with Joseph, and favor went with Joseph in the pit and out of the pit. Every time that Joseph hit a wall and hit a pit in this story, as we will see, he hits many pits and many stories. God's favor goes with him. It's the favor of God that meant the dream became his destiny. And for each one of us, I want you to hear this loud and clear, wherever you are and whatever's going on in your life. God's favor will follow you in the pit and out of the pit. Through the ups and the downs of life, God's favor is with you.
God's favor will never leave you. As believers, we walk in the favor of God. If you're not a believer here today, do you know what? You can walk in the favor of God because Jesus went to the cross so that you can have a relationship with him and walk in the favor of God. 